Hello everyone and welcome to The Art of Flourishing. My name is Lauren De Silva. I'm your host and today we're joined by my friend Jessica Blackenship, who is an art teacher, a preacher's wife, a mama and co-founder of The Artful Gathering LLC. She enjoys designing lessons and products that are both practical, inspirational, combining art, faith and her love of learning and creativity. Jessica ha- is an art teacher and has wanted to be one since she was seven years old. She is also a contributing author of On Earth As It Is in Heaven, where she shares about her visions for a world in which we all know how to embrace joy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Um, okay, so you and your chapter is all about joy. And Mm -hmm. your own journey when it comes to learning how to embrace joy and for you specifically, the joy of being a creator Um, Mm -hmm. and leaning into creativity, leaning into art um, and the joy that kind of erupts from us when we do that. Um, Would you mind sharing just us sharing with us just a little bit of your backstory Um, Tell us how life started and how it, how you ended up where you are today. Um, like, you know, like, yeah, just getting to a place where part of your mission is to help other people in, embrace joy and the joy of creativity. Well, I was the kid who um, really enjoyed school. I enjoyed the routines, the procedures, the steadiness, all of that stuff. Um, I craved it actually because of just a disheveled upbringing and, um, you know, a split home. Some of the things are normal things, but just because something normal, you know, is considered normal doesn't mean it's not traumatic. And um, I loved school and especially art. And I knew, I knew very early on, I, I believe I was in, actually I have record from when I was in second grade that I wrote a story about growing up to be an art teacher. And I think what drew me in so much about art is just, it was innocence and joy and there were like no requirements. Like I didn't Mm. need to fit anybody's agenda, you know, and, uh, or their requirements. And I, it was just a way to, it was incredibly therapeutic for me. Of course I didn't know it then, but you know, at, at our house, as crazy as it was, my siblings and I would draw all the time. We just were always, you know, cause you can, you can embrace creativity and just enjoy that pure, like childhood rite of passage is what I call Mm -hmm. it, which is art. And it's like as, as natural as playing outside, I feel like, and that's, it should be a part of everything. And, um, when I, I, as I got older, I just put a lot of anxiety on myself about being considered by everyone around me valid and responsible and successful and all these things. And I put like this unnecessary burden on myself. And I, I always felt like what I was doing was like inferior because it was teaching art to children. And it's, it's, I went through all these different paths of like trying to like gain like validity from other people from being financially responsible and doing all these things, all these hoops I was jumping through. And it just brought like more burden on the, the more I like achieved, 
I still was under extreme anxiety about all this stuff. And, and I finally like realized through kind of my chapter has to do with like the journey of that. But I finally realized that no one really ever told me that art was being artistic and teaching art was irresponsible. No one ever told me that it was bad, but I interpreted it that way because I, what I really was taught was that joy was somehow irresponsible Mm. and joy means you're not like dress rehearsing disaster and you're not like you've got to be on guard all the time and be ready and prepared for anything that could happen and all this and if you're off in joyland you're not prepared and you know and I you know I have some ideas about where that came from but it actually no one ever meant to do that to me because they were under the same bondage you know and um finally like through actually lots of prayer and my chapter kind of talks about the church services where I was actually called out by different preachers who were like like said my name from the pulpit like Jessica this message is for you this message about bondage all this stuff and um I couldn't really articulate what I was dealing with but it was just so much overwhelm and stress and worry and just extreme anxiety about just like everything I'm doing is just wrong, you know? Mm. And, and it became this, this, um, permission to give myself to permission to allow myself to feel joy. And that came from you, of course, in our conversation where you were like, Jessica, this, you, you need to give yourself permission to feel this. You're allowed to embrace this, this journey with teaching art and all this stuff. And, you know, of course, in my, my side business was, teaching arts to children and embarking on that in a larger format. And I was just like, so anxiety written about it. And then finally it was like, Oh my goodness, I have, I have like equated like misery with being responsible and like misery with being prepared and anxiety with being, and it's like, that is not at all. That's so not true. You know, mm-hmm. like you can be absolutely prepared and, you know, as the Bible talks about, you can have your lamp trimmed, you can be ready, but not be miserable. You know what I mean? You can embrace joy and along with being a prepared person, a, you know, a responsible person, a, you know, spiritually competent, all of those things and still have joy. Mm. And my, you know, it's just been in the last several months that I've like really come to grasp why art fits in there so well. And it has everything to do with the innocence and joy of art that, and and why I crave even the kind of art that I like. I, uh, I adore children's art. I like making children's art, you know what I mean? Projects for children. I, I love it because it feeds me and it's just so fulfilling, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Gosh, there I've got like five hundred notes from what you yeah. <laughs> So it's like so many like really good nuggets like that I just want us to kind of go back and just look over again because I think um I d I don't think that what you just shared is necessarily unique. Like obviously your story is unique and and you know, unique to you. But I, I think that we as a culture have a mm-hmm. massive problem yeah. with joy with vulnerability Mm -hmm. 
and what we think it means to be resilient or like what you said, Mm -hmm. like prepared, responsible. And um, I mean, like what you were sharing, like I kind of got choked up a little bit, like, you know, okay, Lauren, get get yourself composed here. Um, Because what you shared about like, you know, I equated being responsible with being miserable. I -hmm. equated being prepared with being miserable or maybe the converse of that is that anytime you kind of get lost in joy that you're being irresponsible right. um, that that you like that somehow you have just failed grown-up school like because you're having yeah. fun in life and that there's a point at which like 16 18 or well, I don't know when it is that we're supposed to just be unhappy um yeah. and that joy is for early childhood or something um which I mean we mm-hmm. can, I also want to talk about what you said about rites of passage but like mm-hmm. I I'm wondering if you could like share just a little bit about what your take is on being resilient. My take is that, and like, this is my hot take from like the past six months of my life where Mm -hmm. I realized that I had bought into the lie that in order to be resilient, I and strong and prepared, as you said, I needed to increase my capacity for pain for stress, Mm -hmm. for toxicity, for turmoil, like that if I was a container or if I had a container in my soul, that the path to resilience was to just have, just to slowly increase my capacity for pain, basically. Am I, Mm -hmm. oh, crap moment. Some, at some point during this year was, what if, the pathway to resilience was to increase my capacity for joy. What mm-hmm. if joy made me more resilient? What if being able yeah. to be more peaceful made me more resilient? What if if I slowly increased my inner container for love? What if that made me more resilient? And so I was wondering if you could share, that's like my personal 2022 adventure, yeah. but I was wondering if you could share just a little bit more about that, like if, like where does joy fit in resilience to you? Where does creativity fit in with resilience to you? Like just share whatever comes up for you around that idea. Well, yeah. So I one of the things that I had written down to talk about today, and you, I feel like you just spurred me to, 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 to go there, is I feel like so often those of us who are very concerned with raising responsible children oh, who can, yes. you know, go on in this world and do what they've got to do and not be weak and all this stuff. And, you know, is we, sometimes we have it so wrong that it's, it's like, it's literally building a foundation on love that prepares them to be responsible. And it's, um, I don't know if you've read Gary Chapman's the five love languages, but that book was life changing for me. And I think the reason why is because it was incredibly straightforward and it just talked about how every human has like a tank and it's like, like a gas tank on a car, right? It's a, it's a Mm. love tank and you've got to put love in there before you can even do what you got to do in life. It's just like you got to put gas in the car before that amazing car can do anything. And I, I I actually wrote a blog post about this, about, so many people have this this tank in them but it's it's not only empty but it's like beat up and it's got holes in it and it's rusty and you know and I feel like so often 
one of the things I love about the innocence and joy of art has to do with that innocence and joy of childhood is we're supposed to be, as far as raising our own children, I don't want my kids to just be tough. I want the love tank to be full and overflowing so that they can go and do the things and be strong and all that stuff. And so often people are, they've got holes in the tank and they've got, you know, it's all leaking out and, you know, like they, they need, they need to like rebuild the tank and then they can feel the love because it's all just, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so much as far as resilience goes, like, if you think about it, the, like with that tank, like resilience, isn't just being able to go on nothing, right? Resilience. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's the ability to, right. (laughs) Right. Like I can do this no matter how empty I am. Like, no, let's, let's think about it. Like you said about flourishing, like let's, let's be very intentional about making sure that that person interprets love Mm. in a way that fills them. And I, my particular blog post that I'm referencing was about um, Gary Chapman talks about the case. There's five ways that people feel loved. And so often what, you know, we have a primary love language. So if you're, if you're talking and expressing love in one of the other ways, they're not interpreting that way. So that's kind of his thing is that you need to know what your spouse, your children, whatever interprets love so that you can speak their language. Well, my, my interpretation, well, my uh, spin on that was those people who are like really broken and like from dysfunctional backgrounds and that kind of stuff, they actually, their tank needs way more than just one primary love language. It needs all five love languages to repair what brokenness is there. And also it also needs trust building and time. You know what I mean? Like mm. all that stuff comes with it. So it's really like patching the holes and putting love in at the same time to the tank. And I feel like that's what art is so often because it's that innocence and joy that can come through making art. And it's one of those, like, I really do feel like it's that childhood rite of passage. Like it ought to be as, natural to us as a child playing outside and how necessary we feel about that. Right. Mm. And, and, um, part of my like vision is that because not only am I an art teacher, but I also, I teach at church like, and I have for years with the kids and I always like, I feel like I have this secret weapon that no one knows about. And that's why I want to like put this out there is my lessons are always art based, but they're not mm. complicated. They're not like, there's, they're not, they're not, um, comp- competitive in any way. I mean, different abilities of the kids. They don't require a big budget. They don't do any of that. It's just sim- simplistic, beautiful joys of making art. And mm. by doing that, I feel like people's guard these little kids, their guard comes down, they, they embrace it. They just jump right in and I'm able to build relationships with kids because their guard is down. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and that happened because of art. Like I was able to do that with them. And, um, because in the, the reality is kids come to church with all different backgrounds. I mean, we've got, you've got kids who show up who have been in church every service of their entire lives because their parents, are very committed to church in the same group of kids you've got someone who has a horrible home life 
you know, mm-hmm. and they've got to come in and somehow have some common ground with these other kids. And I feel like art does that. It's like a great way to reach kids in any level, any background, any story, because it lets every kid in the room get fed in their own way. And they, their guard comes down and you're able to show the love of Jesus through drawing and painting and, you know, and um, my first one that I released is called Rejoice Evermore. And it's, I taught the kids how to draw guitars and we talked about praising God in all circumstances and how some people have really hard circumstances and referenced some situations in the Bible, like, you know, when the apostles were imprisoned and they're praising God at midnight. And I talked, you know, in that lesson, we talked about all those things. And, and the reality is, some kids have stuff on their backs that they're not meant to bear, right? Mm. Because of their world outside of church. And when they're there, it's, it should be the most therapeutic environment on planet earth. You know, that's how I feel about youth church. Like we should be feeding these kids to where they feel so close, that whole belonging that you are so good at creating. I feel like that's what art can do. It can make kids feel like they belong there because there's no prerequisites, you know, mm-hmm. we can create and just let our guards down from various backgrounds, all the different things going on. And whether that kid is like raised in the most cultivated, beautiful home life ever, or whether they're in the most troubled home life, they both can enjoy the, the same exact project, you know, yeah. because it feeds both of them and both kids matter. You know what I mean? Even the one who comes from the happy home, they they matter, you know, like we need to feed them too. And um, so all of them, I feel like that's, I feel like I had like this missing link that I need to share with these youth leaders around the world. Like, listen, you, you don't realize what you could tap into, you know? So anyway, that was a long story, (laughs) but I, I, um, that's how I feel about art though. It's so innocent and beautiful and joyful and it's such a good way for kids to, kids and adults alike to connect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I love what you said, um, like this, the picture you painted of having these environments being deeply therapeutic or that they should be deeply therapeutic mm-hmm. um, or one yeah. of the most therapeutic environments that children ever go into should be right. the, their faith, um, their faith communities um, yeah. and how, you know, I also, I just love what you said about art and creativity being a rite of passage for children. And like, I kind of yeah. want to connect to what you said right at, um, like right at the beginning of how at some point along our parenting journey or along our lives journey, we, 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 we tell ourselves like our kids need to be tough. Our kids need to be successful. Our kids need to be accomplished. Our children need to survive. Mm-hmm life or yep. thrive in life but also the you know the box that we have for what thriving mm-hmm. in life is so small it usually has got mm-hmm. to do with material materialistic gains education yeah. gains and power gains um and how I, I guess that it might be that what we are calling success what we calling successful parenting often requires of us to eliminate joy from our children's lives so that they can be ready for this big bad world, you know, that we envision ourselves preparing for them. But, you know, yeah. what if we prepare? I just love the analogy of the gas tank, like fill up the gas mm-hmm. tank so that they've actually got some range and they have the ability to be 
persistent and consistent mm-hmm. and to go the distance mm-hmm. in life um that yeah. what we that one of the ways in which we do that is by loving them and filling it up with yeah. love and caring for their gas tank with things like creativity and i i mean like i just love how at least for myself creativity has been a way to express myself authentically when it's done in a safe place right and i think that we mm-hmm. can't be lo- like from a belonging point of view you can't belong anywhere where you can't be yourself fully right. um, and art mm-hmm. and artistic expression is one of the ways in which we can be seen and heard as we are um yeah. which i think is wonderful and i think it's also deeply empowering for a mm-hmm. child to take raw material whether that be paints crayons paper a pair of scissors and a, yeah. glue, and a glue stick and to mm-hmm. to turn that to have agency over those materials and to turn that into something beautiful um like yeah. i think it's got such profound implications and like i'm i know not like m- literal muscle memory but i'm imagining like a figurative emotional muscle memory for life and one yeah. of the one of the most powerful things that art has done for me personally or creativity i guess is that I've learned through my own creative practice that the the actual canvas that I'm most working on is my life. Mm-hmm. And that I am the creator of my life. Um, and that, you know, it has been through engaging in artistic practice and creative practice that I've come to learn like, oh, like I... I'm in charge of brushstrokes. I can edit. I can hold back. Yeah. I can add. Um, and I, I know that I had this. I had this gap of joy and creativity in my life as well from about the age of eight. Like it just went missing from my life, and probably for similar reasons to what you mentioned. And mm-hmm. rediscovering that as a thirty-something-year-old adult woman um, <laughs> has just been transformative to me. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you could share with us what part of your everyday ordinary life feels most like flourishing to you. So if you like look at the landscape of your life, what it what what most feels like this is Jessica flourishing or living her best life? You know, it has everything to do with <laughs> being the opposite of full speed survival mode. Mm. Because survival mode is terrible anyway. But then you add the full speed on there because that's what modern life is, where everything is faster than it ought to be. So full speed survival mode to me is like the epitome of torture. And I I have lived that, you know? Yeah. Some of it was self-imposed, some of it was environmental, all sorts of things. But the opposite of that to me is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And just every single day, just being so intentional about how I, how I think, how I speak, how I act, and not in a like a, like a self-sabotage way, but in a reflective way about, like mm. you said, about your, the canvas of your life, like learning and reflecting in a way that is healthy and making me better. And an editing process that's not, we don't think of the eraser as a bad thing in art. It's a tool, and that's mm-hmm. how reflection is. Like, it's just a beautiful part of what I what about me being honest about who I am and what I've 
you know, said wrong, the whole act of apologizing, learning through our mistakes, learning through the good things, and then just being really mindful about all the people around us that have, we do have good examples around us, lots of us do. And sometimes because we're so full speed, we don't notice them. And I know we all have that story of someone who's gone now um, and how you wish you had paid more attention to them. And my grandpa's like that for me. Like, I feel like when I learned about, learned about mindfulness, the first time it was like, my grandpa was the most mindful human being. He was so, he, he was intentional. He took time with people. He listened to people. He, he spoke intentionally, you know, he was aware of his surroundings. He was aware of the sky. He was aware of the beautiful sunset. He was aware of the flowers. He was aware of the child running and playing and how beautiful, like he was aware of even wood grain, like, you know, like he would, he would run his hand along a table and notice, you know, Mm. the beauty of the table. Like he was just such a, he, I don't know that he ever considered himself an artist. I mean, he was a woodworker, but I, if I could go back, you know, I would, I would savor those moments and realize he was modeling mindfulness for me. And that's kind of that old fashioned sense that sometimes we think of, old-fashioned people and it's like no that's that's the beauty of old-fashioned things you know like I I'm I when I think about myself and like my kids growing up and what they'll have memories of their childhood with me and all this stuff I just think my grandpa gave me the most therapeutic atmosphere and it had everything to do with his mindfulness Mm -hmm. he was not full speed and he definitely wasn't survival mode because he he didn't think in scarcity he, and he, it's not like he was super wealthy or anything. He, you know, he worked and all that stuff, but he, it's like he worked with his hands, but he was very present with it. You know, yeah. when he was building, I remember seeing him, even the way he guided the wood through that sauna, I would watch him and he was, he was in tune with what he was doing. He wasn't in yeah. a hurry. He was doing it right. He was doing a good job. And I, you know, like yeah. I, I had that example and I, you know, I'm sure we all have that where we didn't appreciate someone when they were here. But, um, you know, I want to be that person. I want to be that person who's who's mindful, you know. Yeah. I'm taking account of my words and my, you know, and when I've said something that's just irrational or insensitive or whatever, I want to be that person who realizes that and apologizes and, and, is, and is trying to be more Christ-like, but not in a self-sabotage way but in a way of, I want to be better and I want to be more loving and I want to be more mindful, you know? Yeah. You know, I actually read something yesterday. Um, it's a book called Space Makers by Daniel Singh. Um, mm. And he was talking about how if we just gave ourselves time and space to slow down, mm-hmm. then we would all be more aligned with our values in a very pragmatic like embodied way and he was yeah. and I can I, that speaks I think directly to connected to what you were saying about survival mode that in the hurry mm-hmm. we're not able to be mindful and conscious and intentional about the choices that we're making and how we're responding to the people around us or how we're responding to life in general and that it really is only in the slowing down and sometimes mm-hmm. even pressing pause and stopping that we're right. able to to make conscious value filled choices and i kind of yeah. want to connect that back to just like i'm going to do a like a detour back to creativity and art 
Um, another person that I like to follow, her name is Beth Berry, and her when she talks about being embodying your values and your value systems very intentionally, one of the things that she says is that when we have unmet needs, mm-hmm. that they those unmet needs become like a shadow or um, dirt, I guess, or some kind of covering over the beautiful light-filled prisms of our lives, which reflect into the world in the form of how we embody our values, our faith, and, you know, the best versions of ourselves. But every time our needs mm-hmm. are unmet or go unmet for extended periods of time, it kind of clouds over that prism and we can't shine very brightly. Um, yeah. And I'm just thinking about how um, the, that love is a human need, how joy mm-hmm. is a human need, how safe yeah. places and belonging are human needs and how the art um, the, or the act of making art or the act of creativity can be like a, um, first of all, it slows us down if you're doing it right, right? right. You need to slow mm-hmm. down and be mindful about it. Um, but second of all, it is cathartic and it is therapeutic um, and how that can be a way in which we wash off the things that happen to us in life or that, cont- you know, that, just because life is life um, and enable us to shine more brightly. Yeah. Um, you know, Jessica, one of the things that we wanting to do on the podcast is have every single one of our guests share their favorite flourishing practice or go to soul gardening skill. And so we kind of through, through all our guest interviews, we're kind of collecting a flourishing toolkit for our listening community. And so I was wondering if you would share your favorite or your go-to skill or practice for soul flourishing? It comes as a routine and it's a daily routine and it has a lot to do with the morning pages from the artist way. But I actually, I didn't realize I was doing the morning pages until I read that book, but I had been doing them basically in the form of what my friend calls GPS, which is your every morning starting with gratitude, prayer, and scripture. And the reason I say it has to do with the morning pages is because I am, I, I, I am a tactile person. I like to write. So my, um, with a pencil, with paper, you know, um, I have been writing out prayers every morning with gratitude and scripture every single morning for a few years now. And she, my friend termed that, coined that term GPS like setting your GPS for the day and you starting off on the right foot. And then when I heard about the artist way, the morning pages, I was like, Oh, I've kind of already been doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so she calls it the GPS, you know, the artist way author calls it the morning pages, but my, my morning practice is every single day as I'm drinking my water. When I first wake up is I sit in the same exact spot at the kitchen table before anyone else in the house is awake and I'm an early person. So I, I like getting going very early and I read my Bible. I pray. I, I intentionally incorporate gratitude in my prayers. So it's not just a wine list, you know, a whining to God Mm -hmm. and complaining to God, but it is a gratitude, you know, appreciation of so many things around me. And that's has to do with mindfulness, of course, of noticing, Mm -hmm deciding to notice all of these beautiful things around me. A mist 
you know, right among difficult things. We all have difficult mm-hmm. things too, but to keep your feet on the ground to keep that love tank full, you know, between you and the father is filling up with his word every morning and then having that conversation piece um, mm-hmm. with him. And every single morning I start that my day with my GPS every single morning. And um, I, now that I do that, I don't know how I ever really functioned before that because I need routines anyway. Anyone who comes from uh, difficult backgrounds, like routines are, routines are, are safe and security, you know, safety and security. And they're so good for it's 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 how you build trust, you know, even with yourself. And um, it's a, it's a gift. And sometimes people think of, Oh, artists don't need routines, but actually it's, it's literally a gift to artists. You know, it's a gift to me, to myself to have those routines. So I, I start that every single day is, I call it my GPS. It incorporates my morning pages, which is the, you know, three pages of stream of consciousness. And it has to do with that morning routine that feeds yeah. me, you yeah. know? Yeah, I am also a morning pages person. Um, and for mm-hmm. anyone listening who's not familiar, Julia Cameron um, is an incredible, like, I guess, mentor. I, she doesn't know this, but she's a great yeah. mentor to all the yeah. cre- to all the creatives, and has probably been for the past forty years. Um, she's written an incredible book called "The Art The Artist's Way," um, and mm-hmm. it's a creative recovery. It's essentially it's a twelve week course in the form of a beautifully written book, and one of the practices mm-hmm. that she introduces, like within the first few pages of her book, are the morning pages, which is. Three, three pages, three full pages every single morning. The first thing you do is to just write street, whatever just comes up to just put that onto the mm-hmm. page um, and just let it be. And I love what you said about, yes, gratitude, but also all the other stuff. And I think mm-hmm. what I found personally is that it is actu- it is a mindfulness practice. It's a form of mindfulness practice. It's also a way of processing emotions. So instead of suppressing emotions, you right. actually dump them all out and look yeah. over them and examine yeah. them all first thing in the morning. And so you really, if, if it is done first, um, is a great way to start the day because you, st- you literally, it's a way of starting every single day with a clean slate, or at least that's how it's felt to me to take everything that's accumulated, you know, subconsciously over the night, dump it all onto the pages, get some perspective and start the day fresh. Um, And I love Mm -hmm. your kind of take on how you incorporate your faith into that by, um, you know, that acronym GPS, gratitude, Mm -hmm. prayer and scripture. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. I appreciate you. I really appreciate your work. My, so uh, Jessica, um, has a subscription box um, where she mails out art lessons uh, with all the supplies every single month. And it is one of my mm-hmm. children's highlights to receive our box mm-hmm. every single month. Um, it's something that we look forward to doing during my kids' breaks as we have an art day where we just sit around a table and we do painting. And like, I will say that I I have a child that is creative. She calls herself creative. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's her thing. She's owns it, but my son wouldn't necessarily use that label for himself. And those subscription boxes 
have helped me to see my son in a way that I've never seen him bef- seen him before. Mm. Like, oh, awesome. like I've looked at his work and go, dang, this kid is actually pretty talented. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just like he has a very, inter- especially with paint, he's got a very inter- intuitive way of using the medium. And I just thought, oh, man. Um, and it w- if it weren't for the box, we wouldn't have had that opportunity as a family. So thank you for your work. Thank you for what you're doing for faith communities um, in in, you know, like cre- giving them the tools to include creativity um, and mm-hmm. making faith communities a more therapeutic space for children. But also yeah. thank you for your life. Thank you for being faithful on your own path. Thank you for share- being so generous and sharing your story with us and um, Jessica's contribution in On Earth As It Is In Heaven is very is just amazing. And for anyone struggling to give themselves permission to feel joy and for anyone struggling with all the ways in which we procrastinate or suppress joy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like you did such a great job of sharing how much that it just builds and builds and builds and kind of takes you in the opposite direction. And thank you for sharing uh, that part of your life with us in the book. I really appreciate you. And thank you for, for just being you. I appreciate you so much. Likewise. Thank you so much. Have the best day. (laughs) You too. Thanks. Bye. This has been a Rogue Media Network. Production.